This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of Is Everyone Happier Than Me? An Honest Guide to the Questions That Keep You Up at Night. Written and narrated by Sarah Bragg and available everywhere March 19th. Justin Koo, welcome to Viral Jesus. Be willing to create 100 pieces of content that each get less than 100 views. Like that is the buy-in, so to speak. And it's not that even doing that is a guarantee of success or, or anything else like that. It That might even just be the first level of passion and suffering that you have to experience because there's a certain sense in which doing a thing is what helps you get better. It's like riding a bike. You could read a book about riding a bike, but there's nothing like actually getting on a bike and falling down a hundred times that will teach you how to ride a bike. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. As a professor of communication and rhetoric at Colorado Christian University, I spend most days talking to my students about the power of your own voice and using your voice to empower, encourage, uplift, and reflect. And at its heart, that's what Viral Jesus is all about. In every episode, we'll talk to Christian practitioners of communication and social media. But since the classroom is my first love, we'll also take a quick minute to dig into some of the fundamental concepts of the field. A recent study by Faithwire showed that 21.5% of non-Christians began reading the Bible and listening to an online sermon during quarantine. Barna research shows currently 17% of churchgoers who are extending invitations to digital church experiences say they have invited non-local friends and 15% say they've invited non-local family. A Barna article from 2020 shows 40% of adults agree that they are more open to talking online with people who have opposing views on controversial topics than they are in person. And among non-Christians who report having had a digital discussion about Christianity with a friend or family member, nearly all, 90%, report that the conversation went well. Our guest today is one of my favorite people in the world, Justin Koo. He is a YouTuber with over 115,000 subscribers who is passionate about having better conversations as Christians. His bio says, I make videos for those who like to ask questions and aren't afraid of tough answers. So I am super excited about talking and having this conversation today because this is the person that I have coming on, Justin Koo, is an actual friend of mine. Oftentimes, I just say that people are my friends, but I've never met them in real life. And we are, you know what I mean? Like your online friends, but Justin is my real life friend. So I'm super excited to have him here and to talk with you guys. But as we always do here on Viral Jesus, I wanted to open Justin by reading one of your posts that you've put online. All right. And I just want you to respond to it, add to it, expand. What do you think? So you say this, you said this, I think back in January, you said, I used to think that my most important work was done talking on a stage to a crowd. I'm starting to realize that the most important thing I can do often happens one-on-one, slow to speak, quick to listen. This is the way. Talk to us about that. 
Ooh, okay. So that gets into my background and kind of the way that I've been serving in ministry for, I don't know, maybe a dozen years or so. Uh, my ministry often took place on a stage talking to a crowd of people. Sometimes that crowd was larger than, <laughs> and sometimes it was a small crowd. Um, but nonetheless, it was a very performative type of ministry. Mm. And I don't want to knock this completely because there's a role for this. This is good. Right. I know that your husband is a pastor, and so I don't want to offend We him. love pastors <laughs> here, okay? Pastor, pastors are great. You know, we, we, we absolutely love them. But um, for me, I, I have found that when I'm in that role, oftentimes I'm talking to people who usually feel about the world similarly to the way that I feel about it already. Mm. You know, you, you, you the, the phrase is you're preaching to the choir. You're, you're kind of assuming that you're hanging out with like-minded people. And, and this is good. It's healthy. It's important. But when we think about effective communication, when we think about, you know, effective ministry, there's a certain sense and there's a group of people that you're trying to reach with a message. And I'm finding more and more that the real life-changing conversations, the real life-changing moments don't happen when I'm sitting in the pew, so to speak, listening to a a world-class speaker, but it's more so when I'm talking to my mom or I'm talking to a close friend or I'm talking Mm. to a trusted advisor. And these, these conversations are almost always happening behind closed doors. They're almost always happening within the safety and trust of a loving relationship. And they're almost always happening when someone is willing to hear me and where I'm coming from before they actually offer the life-changing advice that they might have. And so, you know, for me, things have shifted from talk first to to listen first. And when we do that better, Mm -hmm. I've seen this ability to bypass, or not even bypass, but to be able to have those, those walls and those gates that are closed tight, just seemingly magically open because you're welcomed into the innermost places of a person's heart. So Justin is now on YouTube doing his ministry, but you were in churches and you even met your wife at a church Zoom, <laughs> like a church speed dating event, right? Like mm-hmm. Justin was 100% entrenched in church culture. So let me ask you, you had all the tech ready, right? You had a major in communication and film and that's why you decided, okay, I can totally create a YouTube channel. Yeah, I, I wish that that was the story. Um, you know, it's 2016. Uh, we're about one year into my marriage, and uh, we had just moved across the country to take a brand new job. I was teaching at a, a small Bible college on the East Coast, and I had a student come through the program whose story kind of rocked my world. So, for even more context, the ministry that I was doing up at that point is a really traditional, really kind of now I look at it, it's kind of an antiquated way of doing things. I literally went door to door trying to sell Christian books, trying Mm. to pray with people and do Bible studies with people. I mean, I was one of those guys. I Mm. did that for 10 years. I've knocked on over 100,000 doors, I estimate, in in, in that amount of time. And uh, so I'm- I'm, Wait, wait, we have to pause. Okay. Because that's- that's something I like talking about on this program is just the idea of like we see people and all we see is their success. Mm. And we don't see the 100,000 doors that you knocked on before you got. I mean, literally, that is so powerful. So I just want to commend you for that. I think that's powerful. And I hope that you tell that story all the time so people understand the light didn't just come on and all of a sudden now you're this big YouTuber. You were knocking on 100,000 doors first. Yeah, and and maybe more impressive than the 100,000 doors is usually what happens at those doors. I mean, like when think about right. what you would do when someone comes to your door to try and sell you something. 
the the average American is not very <laughs> open to that exchange. I mean, now come on in, pal, because have of a COVID, seat. but like especially then too, you know, and I'm offering a religious service or product or whatever right. the case is. You know, the vast majority of those experiences were negative in some way, shape, or form. Uh, right. A slam door, getting cursed out, you know, and and it can be a very discouraging thing. And it's no surprise to me when I when I hear a lot of like the, the world's greatest business gurus or self-help or motivational speakers, they have some kind of experience selling vacuum cleaners or life insurance or something door to door. And there's something about the school of hard knocks, the idea of getting rejected a million times that that does something to your character that prepares you for whatever you're going to end up doing later. Um, Most of us go our entire life without really dealing with significant obstacles or rejections or quote unquote failures until the big failure that seemingly dashes all of our hopes. Wow. Talk to us about the decision to build YouTube. Where in the world did this come from? So that's my background, right? And it's like literal blood, sweat, and tears in order to to make the smallest amount of quote-unquote progress with my ministry. And then comes a student, uh, Michael Troynoski III, um, whose story just shifts my perspective so much. Here's a guy who's, you know, in his 20s, but the way that he comes to find faith in Christ isn't from a tract. It's not from a book. It's not from a sermon. It's literally from a YouTube video, which now Uh, post-COVID seems like, well, duh, obvious people are consuming content on the internet by the billions. This would just make sense. But in 2016, at least in the circle that I was traveling in, that was not what we thought of the internet. Like we, in my little community of the church, the internet was often talked about with suspicion. You would you would go to a conference and seminars would be why the internet is addictive and how you can stop you know your children from being influenced by the world and media. It, it was one of those things like sex, drugs, rock and roll, and the internet. It's just it was one of those things that was clearly, obviously evil and bad and dark and wicked and all the things that you should tell your kids to run away from. And yet, here's a story of someone who's been impacted by a video on the internet. And I thought, that sounds like way more fun uh, for for ministry. Um, But it also sounds like it has way more potential. And, Mm. you know, you you talk about backgrounds, right? Like, how prepared was I for this? I I was not prepared for this. I knew how to knock on doors (laughs) and sell books. Like, I never took a video editing course, never really owned a camera in my life. I did zero graphic design. Like, this was not something that I had even an inkling of training or equipment for like I, I, I owned a cell phone, you know, I, and, and I had a GoPro <laughs> at the time and, and that was about it. I, I really didn't have the deck, the deck stacked in my favor. And so when you first started, you started with a show called that Christian blogger, walk us through that. What kind of videos were you, you creating and then why the switch to where we are now? So the idea was, you know, my class that I was teaching was, you know, 11 students. It, it, it wasn't a large class. And, and when I would go to a church, I'd spend, you know, all these hours in preparation. I mean, you know, the behind the scenes, so many people think right. well, uh, pastors, they got the most cush and easy job. You just, oh, you go up and speak every once in a while, shake some hands, kiss some babies and you're good to go. But the the reality is if if you're, if you're really doing your job intentionally and maybe even well, oftentimes you're putting in an hour's worth of preparation for every minute worth of preaching. I mean, it it can be 20, 20 to 30 hours of preparation for one sermon. And then that thing just happens on the weekend and then you go to the next one. And this, this, this great pearls of wisdom that you gleaned, all that is just 
it's done. And so the idea was, okay, if I'm spending all this time in lesson planning for my class, if I'm spending all this time in preparing sermons for churches and things like that, why not just translate that exact content for a format that fits the internet? What would I do if I made mm. videos about the kinds of questions that my students are asking me um, or the kinds of questions that I'm experiencing in youth groups and things like that as I'm, as I'm serving? And so the kinds of videos I was doing was, was quite literally sourced from my in real life experience. Um, you know, a student would ask a question about, well, you know, how can I have a more effective prayer life? Or, you know, what does the Bible say about fill in the blank? And, and, and we would create content around this um, largely because, you know, when I was younger, there was a, a mentor in my life who was really a resource for me. When I first started mm. studying the Bible, I didn't know where to start. I didn't have kind of a, a theological degree or any of these kinds of things, uh, but I had a friend who was well-studied and, and well-versed in scripture. And having that resource was a, a real blessing for me at that time. And so I figured, you know what, if the content that I can create can kind of serve that same role that this individual played in my life, I, I think that it would be something that would be valuable. And so, so as we create videos, we're just sourcing content from, from my, my followers or from my, my friends or whatever it was, whatever I was experiencing in real life. It was a documentation of my faith life at that time. And talk to us about your growth. And I want everybody, before you say, because I know the answer, I want to remind them 100,000 doors that you knocked on first, <laughs> right? But so you start this YouTube, what's your idea of success when, you know, I know you're a goal-oriented person. So you have a goal, what is that? And then where do you end up? Well, my, my goals were actually pretty modest. So I, I remember when I started the channel, it was right around New Year's. And, you know, of course, every goal-oriented person around New Year's is breaking up the <laughs> notebook and here's my one-year plan, here's my five-year plan, yada, 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 yada. Right. But the context in which I had, you know, framed this channel was like, hey, if I'm planting a church, what would success look like? And, and mm. I know how difficult that is, how you can spend years and attempt right. to reach people and, and not really see massive numbers of success. But to me, that was okay. You know, when I'm finding uh, people who are interested in studying the Bible, I'm not concerned if it's one person or it's a thousand. In fact, if I go to a home and there's two people, I'm like over the moon. Like this is twice what I was expecting. And so I mm -hmm. have a very modest goal. I remember writing down on a piece of paper, all right, if after a year's worth of creating content every single week, I'll keep coming back and doing my best. If I can grow a community to the size of, let's call it a couple hundred, I wrote down 250 people, that would be time that was well spent and worth it. Because there's no way that I, with a $0 budget, can plant a church with zero experience right, and right. expect to have hundreds of people showing up every single week. Like, that's just radical. That's just crazy. And so I wrote down 250 people. That would be my goal for an entire year's worth of work. And then I would get this like gentle nudging from the Holy Spirit, dream bigger dream bigger. Mm. It's like, oh, okay. Like I already felt like that was a big dream, <laughs> um, but okay, I'll double it. And I wrote down 500 on a piece of paper. And what would happen is in a very short amount of time, I realized that this was way too small of a goal that, that, that God was actually wanting to do something bigger through this. And so I hit the 250, I hit 500 in a matter of six months or something along those lines. And at the end of our first year of content creation, the audience had grown to over 10,000 people. Wow. And, and this is like, this is wild. What, what I would do in 10 years of ministry, right. I would eventually do in about a month. And so it, it, it's crazy to me how the internet, it was just this way to interact with so many other people. And now I wasn't intruding on their dinner. I wasn't interrupting family time. I was just 
actually able to serve them when they wanted to and to answer the questions that they were actually asking. And so it was this beautiful kind of paradigm shift for me. You know, when I was daydreaming with Christianity Today about this podcast about Viral Jesus, you are one of the people that I thought of, oh. of what I just just what I wanted this this program to be about and to represent because everything that you're saying is so much of what I hope. And I, I just think it really encapsulates especially the thoughts of a lot of people in this next generation that are that love God and love the church. I think that there's often this idea that young people like want to burn down the church and destroy it. And I don't, I know that's not true for you. I know that's not true for me. Like we love it and we want to find new ways to serve and to engage. So talk with us about I'm listening. So how did that come about? Yeah. So I'm listening is uh, a new, a new genre of content for me. It's an, it, it really is an ongoing experiment. If I'm, if I'm completely transparent, um, I, I jokingly describe myself as someone who has never been accused of being too patient or too listening. Uh, like the, the mm. idea of being a good listener is is not natural to me. Uh, it's actually probably the thing that I struggle with the most. I'm I'm that guy in the conversation who's oftentimes interrupting others because I have great ideas and <laughs> thoughts that I need to be sharing with people, right? And uh, so the idea of creating a whole show where the value is listening to other people is somewhat ironic and it's aspirational at its heart. It's, it's something that I'm wanting to grow in. It's something that I'm wanting to improve in because I think that the, this idea is so very important and crucial to the world that we are living in today. So the show in its, in essence, it are explicit conversations on belief and the stories that shape them. And the idea behind this, this show is, is really trying to provide this counterpoint to what I see that's happening in culture. And what I'm seeing is, it seems as though media and you know content in general is is intentionally positioned to create divide. Whether that's a political division, mm. that's a social justice pol- division, that's a religious division. It, it seems as people are sticking their flag in the ground, saying this is the way that it should be. And if you don't agree with me, unfollow me, take a hike, get out of here. And right, what I'm right. seeing is that there's just a wedge that's being driven further and further between so many different communities. And, and I don't see this ending well. And oftentimes it comes at the expense of so many good, well-intentioned, just like loving people. I, I don't believe that the world is as terrible as the media seems to paint it. I don't believe that that even people who are different than me are so mm. others, so evil, so deviant in their thinking that there's no common ground. I, I, I want to believe that there's something inside of each person because they're all created in the image of God. Um, that that is that is in in inside of them. That 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 there's that's something that's beautiful that I can relate to and, and and connect with and empathize with. Like I just I believe that this is the way that the world is. And so this show is an honest attempt in exploring that. You know, whereas at least for me, growing up in the in, in the church. Um, my community were almost always people who looked and sounded and believed like me. I hung right. out with the proverbial choir, and, and this makes sense, right? When you're when you are raising your children, you want them to be around right. people who emulate your values and beliefs, and this is all good. And one of the negative side effects of doing this is that you just end up in an echo chamber. You, you're you're mm-hmm, never really mm-hmm. asking questions outside of the bubble that you exist within, and so this is a show where I intentionally cross aisles, where I intentionally put myself in the types of conversations that that really feel 
challenging and awkward and difficult. It's when I sit down and interview a pagan friend or an atheist or a Muslim or a Mormon or someone who's just sees the world entirely different. And I sit down not from the perspective of me proving that I'm right and they're wrong and they should change their mind because I have the truth. It's more just I want to understand who you are. I want to understand where you're coming from. At the end of this experience, I don't think that I'll convince you that I'm right, nor do I think that you're going to convince me that you're right. And that's okay because that's not the point. The point is to understand a, a, a person's life story. What were some of the obstacles and challenges that they faced? What were some of the, their best victories and, and moments of joy? How did their, their life shape the way that they see the world, the way that they see themselves, they see the big picture? And by doing so, could it actually lead to greater connection? Could it actually lead to deeper relationships in a way that both parties are actually edified and we enjoy each other's company rather than just write each other off as crazies? This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Your first episode, I believe it was, and I've shown it to my students every semester since you created it, the very first episode, you sit down with an atheist who actually, I, I'll let you tell the story because he was actually somebody like a friend of me. Like yeah. <laughs> he had originally been trolling your YouTube videos and then you're like, hey, bro, you want to sit down and have a conversation? Tell us about that story. So so the guy's YouTube channel is literally called The Raging Atheist. Like he's one of these militant atheist types, someone who uh, has seemingly a chip on his shoulder when it comes to organized religion in general, but certainly Christianity. And so I've been making a, a, a number of videos and I start to notice like he's showing up in the community and and not always in the nicest way. He's, he's literally <laughs> raging. And, and so he's making response <laughs> videos to some of the videos that I'm creating. And, and some okay. of these are 20, 30, 40 minute long videos. And and he's calling me all kinds of names and he's just dogging on me. And like, it's this just, you know, it's this uncomfortable experience to, to put it like, uh-huh. right? No one likes when your name is drugged through the mud. And, you know, normally I would just either dismiss the person or write them off in my mind, block them or, you know, say something smart in the comments back. But for whatever reason, there's this unique moment in my life where I exercise humility and grace, <laughs> which is like, you know, certainly not a cultivated practice, certainly at this point where I'm like, you know what? What this means is minimally this guy has listened to what I had to share. And he didn't have to Mm. do that. 
There was no one forcing him to do that, or at least I hope not. And he has chosen to think about it and engage with what I've said. Like, that's actually a good thing. Like, I should not be upset about that. I should be grateful for that. And so, you know, Mm. I I respond in the comments, some version of, dude, thank you so much for taking the time to do all these things. It's awesome. And this is like the beginning of this back and forth relationship that has spanned several years up to this point. And so, you know, I'll make a piece of content, he'll respond, we'll go back and forth. And this happens, (laughs) you know, with somewhat, you know, uh, some regularity. Um, You know, it, it even comes down to this point where, you know, I'm subscribed to him and he's subscribed to me. And I noticed one day he's live streaming, the raging atheist, is doing a live stream with his friend, another YouTuber called The Frustrated Atheist. And you can imagine what type of conversations a raging and frustrated atheist are having. <laughs> and I just drop in the chat. And I'm like, hey, dude, what's going on? Hope you're doing well. Hope the family's okay. And just like well-wishing, just general well-wishes. Mm-hmm. And the guy stops. The raging atheist like, oh, shoot, shout out to Justin, that Christian vlogger in the live chat. And he actually like does this parenthetical during the live stream where he's he tells his friend, like, you know what, Justin's actually kind of cool. He's not like the Christians we've been dogging on so far. He's like, he's a cool guy. You would actually like him. He's speaking to the frustrated atheist. And his friend's just like, oh, shoot, why not invite him onto the live stream? So, like, within 30 seconds or so, you know, of, like, me signing onto the stream, I find myself in a live stream with two (laughs) atheists on YouTube. And we're having this wonderful back and forth. And it was just this beautiful exchange of, of, of life stories and perspectives and and it's been great. So it kind of has a, you know, a, a, a climax in which one summer I happen to just my wife and I hop on a plane and fly out to meet with him in person. He took the day wow. off from work. He withdrew his daughter from school that day. And the four of us just spend, I don't know, like 12 hours together. We eat multiple meals. He shows me around the town that he grew up in. He shows me the neighborhood that he was raised in. He shows me the house. Hey, that's the house where I was raised. That Those guys over there, they were, you know, they, they sold drugs and we robbed that house. And he has like these colorful stories of what life was like for him. And I come to find out that at the core of his story was he actually was raised in a Christian home. And he was dealing with all kinds of like very real challenges as a child. Right. And, and as a child, how are you equipped to deal with the trauma that you're experiencing on a day-to-day basis? Right. And so his experience was such that he's offering these prayers to, to God in, in hopes to change. He doesn't want to be this violent kid. He doesn't want to be addicted to drugs. He doesn't want to, to, to be this deviant person who, you know, his father is, you know, deeply uh, unpleased with or whatever the case is. And seemingly nothing happens. And more than nothing happens, it's not as though like, well, one, seemingly God doesn't do anything, but also two, the church community that he's a part of doesn't seem to care doesn't seem to mm. offer any help. It doesn't seem like they're involved with their community. And this happens for years. And so while I might not agree on the final conclusion on does God exist, I have to I have to understand where he's coming from. That the right. reason why he's so raging and pissed off, mm-hmm. it's not without a a context is not without a backstory and he continues to share like all of his current interactions with people of faith are really toxic and really terrible where it's just it just reinforces what he believes and i'm starting to realize oh huh yeah i think if i was in his position if i had the experiences that he had i don't know that i would have gone a different direction and the you know we spent like 12 hours plus together 
And let me add this. Mm-hmm. There's this moment, because you won't say it. Okay. There's this moment on the episode where you say to him, what would it take for you to change your position yeah. on God? And he says, maybe more conversations with Christians like you. Yeah. And he even said, maybe I'm not the raging atheist anymore. Maybe I'm now just the atheist. Yeah, the slightly frustrated and that was like, atheist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, that was like this moment where because – so if I want people who are listening right now because I'm telling you that episode is so incredible. I show it to my students every single semester because I just think it's a really great – Example of great Christian communication that you show. What does somebody type in right now in YouTube after they are done with this program so they can watch it? Uh, yeah, my YouTube channel. Just type in my name, Justin Koo, J-U-S-T-I-N-K-H-O-E. It, it'll be one of the first videos that you see. It's on like I think it's my channel trailer right now, so you'll find it pretty pretty quickly. So how do you deal with online hate? I mean, do, I'm assuming you can't meet with all of them, right? What do you do? And actually, let's ask this question. Do you get, what did one of my friends say to me one time? Um, it was an, uh, he's an ex-pastor and he said, oh, they don't warn you when you go into pastoring about the sheep bite. There's <laughs> the a lot sheep of bite. sheep bite. Well, how do you deal with the sheep bite in the comments where, you know, maybe you're sitting down with an atheist. I know you, you did one episode where you sat down and just had a conversation and listened to somebody tell their story who had had an abortion. And there was lots of conflict in those comments. How do you, do you manage your comments at all? What does that process look like for you? Yeah, it, it's, a, it, it's a real interesting phenomenon. Um, you know, when you put yourself out there on the internet, um, there is a certain level of expectation that people will love and or hate what you're doing. In fact, if you're doing it well, that that's kind of one of the metrics that you know that you're doing well. It, it means that you're speaking to a specific community within a specific context. And so, I don't know, like the idea of sheep bite is such an interesting idea because it's so true. I mean, <laughs> you think about this, even with Jesus, like Jesus did everything literally perfectly. Right. And yet the sheep literally crucified him. Right. And so on, on one hand, you want to be able to, to contextualize the quote-unquote hate comments or trolls or whatever language you want to use around them, that this is kind of expected. But on the other hand, I also don't want to close myself off from mm. real, meaningful, constructive criticism. Yeah, um, I think that, that there have been key moments in my life, and this is, again, done within the context and confines of a safe and trusting relationship where I'm literally like, hey, bro, I, I want to – can I ask you a favor? I want to give you full permission to just share with me your true thoughts. Like, what do you see in my life that is, from your perspective, an area of growth, something that I can do better? And I've had that that type of conversation on on a, on a very small number of times, but those moments have been, I think, very transformational for, mm. for me and my character and my growth. Because here you have someone that loves you, who cares about you, who's saying, hey, you know what? This is maybe something that you're you're blind to or you're ignorant to and maybe think about it from this greater context that type of constructive criticism is crucial and is important and, and i think that every person who has aspirations of any kind needs to be willing to hold the mirror up at times mm. and so it's this weird tension behind oh everyone on the internet is just trolls and they're all haters right which is one way to interpret what's happening on the internet a lot of times and the other side of it is like no there's truth to what people are saying Wow. I don't think either extreme is healthy. Everyone's a troll versus everyone is true and accurate with what they say. So there's a fine line to walk. And I don't know that I always do it perfectly, but it is an attempt to try and say, okay, when people say something, and even if they're emoting, what can I learn from this, if anything? 
And sometimes the answer is, oh, someone just had a bad day and they just want to come <laughs> from my neck. And that's right. like, that's okay. But sometimes it is worth pausing for reflection. And I try to try to learn how to do that. I try to do both well. I've invited you before to speak to my classes, actually, because um, I teach social media. And you said something that I've never forgotten. I repeat it all the time. You talk to my students about what it means to have pa- actually i think somebody asked you they said are you still passionate mm. about creating videos yeah. and i just want you to walk our listeners through what you said to them because it was so good so so passion is one of these things that is you know kind of glorified especially in like the content creator oh i'm passionate about what this is i'm passionate <laughs> about fitness i'm passionate about health i'm passionate about travel and what we really mean is that we're these things make us excited we have a dopamine mm-hmm. rush when I think about candy. I'm passionate about candy. Like, okay, like that's not really like that deep or meaningful or profound. It's just one of these catchphrases that we use. But what I've learned is that passion is actually derived from the experience of the cross. We, there's a reason why the movie is called The Passion of Christ. Passion, mm-hmm. the, the, the meaning, the root of this is suffering. Truly mm-hmm. what it means to be passionate about something is to say, you know what? I care about something so much that I'm willing to wow. suffer for it. In, in the same perspective, like Jesus was passionate about you and I. He was literally wow. willing to suffer on our behalf to redeem us and to reconcile us. He was willing to go to the cross for us. He was passionate about us. So when I hear like Joe influencer say, oh, I'm passionate about this thing. It's like, do you know what that means? Do you know what it really takes? If you truly are passionate there's a certain willingness to suffer over an extended period of time, which which makes a lot of sense because the people who do well in content creation truly are passionate. Right. They're not just emotionally elated about a thing. They are truly willing to put in the grunt work. They're willing to grind. They're willing to literally suffer for the sake of their thing. And I think when we have mm-hmm. that context, and, and and I think especially like from the viral Jesus perspective, right? If if you're passionate about becoming popular, like that's a really surface level thing to be passionate <laughs> about. Like, so let's be clear, what are we passionate about? Right. Am I passionate about getting a million subscribers? Like, okay, cool. Like that's a goal. That's something that might be nice, but that's a very shallow thing to be passionate about. So what is our deeper motivation behind what we're doing? Is there a deeper calling behind it? Why would you be willing to suffer for the thing that you're putting your whole life force behind? And for me, it's not vanity metrics. It's not subscribers. It's not money even. Like I, I could care less about money. And I realize that this is like a, a, a privileged thing to say, but like in perspective, like money does so little for people. What am I truly passionate about? I'm truly passionate about people. Like mm. I care about people. Not always perfectly, but I, I, I care about people because every person that we interact with is, is a reflection of God. Right. Whether they realize it or not, every person has, has infinite value. Every life is on par in terms of v- value with God. Now that's not blasphemy. That's literally what the cross means. Like Jesus was willing to trade his life for your life, which means that your life's value is that of God. And so Mm. I'm willing to be misunderstood. I'm willing to be ridiculed and hated and miss, like I'm willing to go through this whole experience. If what it means is maybe I can introduce them to someone that loves them far more than they could ever hope or imagine. I'm willing to suffer for that. 
this is like the third time I've heard it and it hits just the same. I absolutely love it. And I just think it's a message that every content creator needs to hear. I am sure you get this question all the time, but I want to end by asking you this question because I know somebody right now is like, oh, I love Justin. I want to be a YouTuber. What do I do? When I'm, do you get those DMs? Yeah. What do I, yeah. Hey, hey, bro, I want to start a channel. What do I do? What do you tell people? I, I mean- it's always like awesome. How can I help? How can I support? And, 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 you know, whatever I can do, I want to be able to support doing, but Mm. I I think framing it, and this is not too unrelated to the concept of passion, right? The the advice I've been giving now is be willing to create a hundred pieces of content that each get less than a hundred views. Wow. Like that is the buy-in, so to speak. And it's not that even wow. doing that is a guarantee of success or, or anything else like that. It That might even just be the first level of passion and suffering that you have to experience because there's a certain sense in which doing a thing is what helps you get better. It's like riding a bike. You could read a book about riding a bike, but there's nothing like actually getting on a bike and falling down a hundred times that will teach you how to ride a bike. Doing any kind of content creation, it's a podcast, it's it's a blog, it's a YouTube channel, it's a film, a blank thing, you have to just do it and you have to do it over and over and over. Sure, you might be that savant and you might be that person who strikes, uh, you know, hits, hits the jackpot and has a viral video on your first video and, and maybe you luck into this thing. But it's not a sustainable strategy moving forward. It's like financial uh, uh, security. Winning the lottery is not a reasonable and reliable and repeatable (laughs) strategy for financial security. But putting in the hours to work and save and live on less than you make and investing and all these things, like that's actually how you do it. And the same thing is true when it comes to content creation, when it comes to building an audience. It's the long haul or bust. Like, and so many people get discouraged after their third video that still only has four views. And I get it. It is discouraging. It is challenging. But if you're not willing to do that over and over and over again, mm. it might just be an indicator that your time is better spent elsewhere. It doesn't mean that you have no value or that you can't be used by God or that you can't do something meaningful in the world. It just might mean that this isn't the way that you can do those things. Justin Koo is the host of I'm Listening. I want you to go to YouTube right now. I mean it. Type his name in. You have got to watch his videos. So good. Share them with your friends. Justin and then K-H-O-E. Type it into YouTube immediately. Share it with people. We are so grateful to have you on the show. What's your Patreon too? Oh, same thing. Patreon.com slash jku. Thank you so much, Justin, for joining us for this episode. We like to end every episode with a little segment I call Growing Viral, and this is where I scour the Viral Jesus hashtags on all of our social channels and look for a message from someone who maybe you haven't heard of yet, but you should certainly be following as they grow viral. Today, we talk to Benjamin Young. Benjamin Young is the creator of Guard the Gift, a podcast that encourages and empowers Bible teachers to strive for excellence in their teaching. Well, hey, Ben, I am so excited to finally virtually meet you. I don't think we've ever Zoomed before or anything, but we've been chatting as friends on Twitter for quite a little bit now. Um, For those of you who don't know Ben, Ben's background is in curriculum design, but focusing on culturally responsive teaching practices, which is just like my heartbeat because I've lived and worked in education for all of my career. But Ben, can you tell me why... 
you think that it's so important, especially today in our educational system, that we understand culturally responsive practices. Yeah. And I think that the stage has been set by people doing some deconstructive work, whether that is in anti-racist education um, or something related. But really what gets at the heart of that is the idea that um, education doesn't happen in a vacuum, that it happens in a system. And the assumption has always been that the system was designed to carry out the uh, democratic ideals that the nation ostensibly was founded upon. But just even serving the actual history, you realize the system was never really designed to Mm. serve the great majority of the people um, who are now in it. And so when you think about black and brown um, students who are in schools a system that was never really built for seeing them occupying the classrooms, um, by default, you would expect uh, not to be able to help them succeed in really in any tangible way. So when we're talking Mm -hmm. about your social media presence and your passion, obviously, for education in the classroom and educating, um, providing equal education Mm -hmm. opportunities for black and brown students as to white students... Do you see your online presence with all these passions as two separate things? Or do you see them as as something that you take both online and offline and they should go together? So when I think of, you know, being primarily active on, on Twitter, I don't think of it now as, okay, I have to put my educator hat on today or, or I have to put my my, uh, you know, believer hat on today, it in Mm. and in erasing those lines, I think it it makes for a much richer experience, because you see how insights from each of those fields, help you better understand aspects of of the other. And that's, you know, what led me to be more active on social media in the first place was trying to find community with other people who shared the same passions that led for me to create Guard the Gift, which was my attempt at trying to bring those two things into focus at the same time, education and ministry. Where can people find you if they want to find Ben and Guard the Gift and all of that? And what was the other one? The Bible Mm -hmm. Teachers Lounge? Yeah, where do they find it? How do we find you? So I'm mostly active on Twitter, and that's at BJYoung1990. It's the same handle, though, for Instagram and for Clubhouse, which I'm rarely ever on. But <laughs> um, And then um, for Guard the Gift, uh, e- the easiest thing is really just to go to guardthegift.com because from okay. there, there are links to the Twitter, the Instagram, and there's also a page for the podcast with the episodes embedded, which is on a bit of a break right now, but we have several episodes that are recorded that'll be uh, coming up um, talking about uh, things ranging from standards versus curriculum-based instruction uh, to talking about um, teaching, effective teaching styles as emulated in, in Jesus being like the master teacher. We hope you will not rest until you find Benjamin Young and support his voice, his ministry, and his work. Join me in supporting his growing viral community. 
Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and rate us on your preferred platform. Join me next week as I talk to a friend I actually made on Twitter of all places, Pastor Aaron Duvall. We are going to discuss how to build and maintain online friendships and also try to convince you that these are even a thing. I can't wait to see you soon.